If you would take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to read the first nine verses. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, and both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So tonight we're just going to uh, looking at some things to, that we ought to remember. So remember. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies. Thank you for uh, your word and the encouragement and the, uh, what we receive from it. I pray as we look into the word of God tonight that again you'd encourage our hearts and strengthen us and challenge us and help us to just rest upon your promises and uh, to rejoice in your goodness to us and, and to wait for your Son from heaven uh, and uh, the fulfillment of all your promises. We do pray that you meet with us and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that there would be scoffers in the last days walking after their own lusts. Here we find that in, here scored in verse 3 and you know, questioning you know, whether God's going to keep his promises. It's been... You know, we've heard this for a thousand, two, thousands of years. And, you know, we back to the Lord's promise. And that's just a crutch you Christians hang on to, you know, kind of an a, a, a escape route for, to get away from the troubles of life. Well, that is a hope we, we hold on to, but uh, that doesn't get us out of the problems of life. Life is full of afflictions and promises, uh, afflictions and hardships. Uh, that we have to work through in spite of the promises of God uh, because of the the nature of sin and the curse of sin. But there are some things that we need to be remember or be mindful of. He says in verse 1, This second epistle, beloved, I write, now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure, pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. So we'd already be mindful, always be mindful of the word. And that goes the idea to remember. Don't forget the promises of God. Of course, this is a theme of this book. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 12, Wherefore I not be negligent, but you always in remembrance. Uh, verse 13, yeah, I think it me as long as I'm in this time, I will stir up your pure by putting you in remembrance. Verse 15, more I will endeavor that you may be after my decease to have these things 
in remembrance. Of course, Peter is about to be martyred for the cause of Christ, and so he's challenging uh, us, those believers he was writing to in particular, and us to be mindful of the word and of the promises of God. That's what he was trusting in. You know, this was his last will and testament. You might say he's writing out, you know, uh, his will and preparing to die. He's not discouraged. He's looking for that hope, that blessed hope. And we see that in, in, the, uh, in the end of chapter 3. Uh, but, so he says, be mindful of the promises. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, so he says, do you remember the promises, the great and precious promises of God? Fix it in your mind. Fix it in your mind. Uh, the goodness and promise and, and greatness of our God. And, and so uh, we need to remember his words. We have a we have a certain word that shall not change. It doesn't pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My words shall not pass away. It's forever settled, the Bible says. And so we need to, we need to read it and study it. Uh, even in the face of mockers and scoffers who will make fun or poke fun or try to find uh, problems or, or contradictions or whatever. Uh, because it's the word of God which effectually worketh in us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which ye have heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the word of God is a, is a living force, an energy, that's the word worketh, is the word energo, where we get our word energy, so it is a power, and there is power in the Word of God, which will work in our life uh, and encourage us and strengthen us in our walk uh, with the Lord. You know, the psalmist, Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So again, the Word of God, verse, nine, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse 50 says, this is my comfort and my affliction. Thy word hath quickened me. And that word quickened means given me life, given me strength, given me vitality uh, to overcome, to face the afflictions of life. Uh, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 105. Verse 130 says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding. And we talked about, I guess it was Sunday afternoon, about illumination, how God gives understanding uh, into his word and God's word gives us understanding into the situations and circumstances of life. Gives us purpose and meaning for life. And so uh, we need to uh, be mindful of the words of the Lord. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Neither security in obeying the law. There's a security in knowing and obeying the law. And so we can rest 
in his word. You know, one of the problems, the, the problems the, uh, with the uh, children of Israel going through the wilderness is they didn't rest in the word of the Lord. In Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, what you thinking about it? From God's perspective, all the promises of God are done. They're done. Let me, let me illustrate. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Verses 1 through 3 talks about our condition, what we were as unsaved. We were children of wrath. That's how the Bible calls us in our sin. Children of wrath. And then in verse 4 it says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he had loved us, even when we were dead, that is separated in sin, separated from God in our sins, hath quickened us, who has given us life, together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together to sit, us, raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So positionally, from God's perspective, our position is seated in the heavenlies with Christ. See, as far as God is concerned, it's already done. It has been paid for. My completed redemption, and when I'm talking, when I say complete redemption, the redemption of this body, this vile body, shall be changed under, like under this glorious body. See, as far as God is concerned, that's already done. It's already been paid for. The transaction has been made. All we're waiting for is either we pass through death or the trumpet to sound and we go up to be with him. That's all we're waiting for. As far as God is concerned, it's already done. And so when he says in Hebrews 4, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. See, from God's perspective, it's all done. And, and so we can rest. Uh, in the we can we need to be mindful of the words of the Lord because they are sure they are certain they will come to pass. You know one of the things that you read in the in the Gospels about the Lord Jesus and his, and his ministry and his crucifixion and resurrection is you often especially in Matthew you you'll read a statement like that for it was written or as it was written you know in other words these things were all prophesied beforehand. Uh, promises concerning the Christ and his, his death and resurrection, and they were fulfilled just as he said. And, and we, could, we could say the same thing as it is written before it's going to happen. Because God cannot lie. So be, we need to be mindful or remember the words of the Lord. He will fulfill his promises to us. And we can rest in those promises. 
And not just the promise of his coming, but the promise to supply our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus for daily light. So don't be ignorant of his promises, uh, of his word. Uh, be mindful of that. And don't be ignorant of his promises. Verse 8 and 9 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But it's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So some will say, well, well, it's been so long. Well, surely, you know, God has forgotten or... No. Remember, God's timetable is not ours. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Six thousand years ago, roughly, the Lord made a promise... In Genesis 3.15. That the seed of the woman. That Satan would. That the seed of the woman would bruise the head of Satan. It speaks of a death blow. And that Satan would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Now that's a prophetic statement concerning Christ. And his death and resurrection. Now it took four thousand years for that to actually come to pass. Galatians 4.4 4 says, when the fullness of time was come, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of woman, made under the law. So four thousand years later, and, and you, 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 as you go through the Old Testament, you have different prophecies. You, know, you, you have, for example, Isaiah um, 7.14 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. 700 and some years later, I think it's 740 actually, a virgin conceived and bare a son. And they called his name Emmanuel, God with us. You see, we can't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Remember the promises that God... Um, we need to be mindful of those promises, those great, exceeding great and precious promises. Uh, you know, with, you're reminded of Pilgrim's Progress and, you know, Christian and Hopeful are on their journey to the Celestial City and they come to a fork in the road. One way looks kind of rough, the other way looks easy. And so they're contemplating which way do we go. And, and you know, they're concerned about the easy way, but, but it looks so much better, and they're a little bit weary on their journey, so they take the easy path. And they come into a nice warm meadow, and so they sit down, and before long they fall asleep. And in their sleep they're arrested by giant despair, who takes them to Doubting Castle, whose wife is Mrs. Diffidence. And diffidence means distrust, no confidence. You know, and, and she uh, tries to convince them that you can't believe God. You can't believe anyone. You can't trust anyone. You can't even trust God. You know, there'll be people that try to convince you that you can't, you can't really take God's word literal. You can't really do that. And so they're in despair, and, and giant despair beats them, and he says he's going to kill them. And, and, and so they begin to pray and ask God, and, and Christian reaches into his pocket, and he finds the key. It's the, and it's the key of promise, and it opens every door in the castle. He had it all along, the promise. See, God's promises will give you victory over your doubts, over your despair. 
And so, you know, the, 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 the world likes to tell us, well, if God really loved you, you wouldn't not be overcome. You'd be, you, would, you, know, you would be without trouble. And, you know, well, where did sin originate? And where did it come from? By whom did it come into the world? Well, we know that sin originated uh, in the garden with Satan and by man. Uh, sin came into the world by man, Romans 5.12 tells us, and so death passed upon all men for all that have, all have sinned. So sin originated with, God, with men and not with God. Uh, so we need, to, we, need to, we need to have confidence and trust in the Lord. He, uh, so, look, look at a couple of verses here. Psalm 56 and verse 3. Psalm 56 and verse 3. <clears throat> Psalm 56 and verse 3 says this. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Isaiah chapter 43. You know, there's some great and precious promises in the book of Isaiah. You have to kind of dig through it to find them, but they're there. A lot of it is about the judgment of the nation of Israel, but there's also some great precious promises concerning Israel, and, and we can claim those promises as well, though they're not directly given to us. But uh, Isaiah 43 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba are mine. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And of course, we have precious promises in the New Testament as well. John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he tells us we don't have to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. And we don't sorrow not even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say in you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead of Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And, and then he, he, goes, he goes on, really, this, this passage, and he says in verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've not been appointed to wrath, but to salvation or deliverance. Uh, and he, he wrote in 2 Thessalonians again to the church of Thessalonica that seemed to have a concern about this. In verses 7 through 10, he says, To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall reveal in heaven with his mighty angels, flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. Not them that know God, but them that know not God. That obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints and be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore, also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fill all good pleasure in its goodness, and the work of faith with power. And so, we have these great, exceeding, precious promises. Even here in Second Peter chapter 3, in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to the promise, his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwell in righteousness. You know, we're not looking for destruction. We're looking for a new heaven and a new earth. That's what we're looking for. Um, God has not appointed us who know him that obey the truth. He hasn't appointed us to wrath or to his judgment. And so, you know, we, we need to trust in the promises of God. Somebody has said, promises, quote, the promises of God will remove the fog of mourning and keep you in the sunlight all day long. And so we need to rest in the promises and they are, yea, and amen. Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-five. the psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Second Timothy 2.13 says, if, I, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And so we need to not be ignorant. We need to be mindful of the word and not be ignorant of his promises. And then I want you to notice a third thing from this chapter. We need to be diligent. In persevering, that word uh, diligent there in verse 13 and 14, it says, Nevertheless, we according to this promise look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Now, the word diligent means as the idea of persevering, careful, steady effort. Now, Understand, we are preserved in Christ Jesus by Christ. Christ is the one that gives us eternal life. He's the one that keeps us saved. We're kept by the power of God. However, our fellowship with the Lord is by perseverance, by effort on our part. If we don't have fellowship with God, it's not God's fault. It's ours. So, so again, our fellowship then is preserved by our persevering through the afflictions and trials of life. And they are a part of life. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verses 8 and 9, Paul writing to Timothy his last will and testament, he said, Be not thou for ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So afflictions are part of life. You know, he tells Timothy in chapter 2 here, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you. You know, I've never been a soldier. But from what I understand about being a soldier... It's not peaches and cream. Now, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, my son has told us a little bit about boot camp, what boot camp is like, you know, in the Marines, that is. 
they tell me in the, the Air Force it's a lot easier, in the Navy too, you know. But anyway, I'm not getting into that. I, I, I don't really know I'm in there, but, you know, how the, the Marine guys say, you know, that's where the real men are. But anyway, you know, they tell you what boot camp was like. It's pretty rough. And, and they say that it's easier than it used to be because there's now women in the military. They've dropped their standards like everything else. But, but anyway, that's not the women's fault, by the way. I just say that to, to give you the situation. But anyway, no, being a soldier is trying. It can be difficult. I remember uh, one of the men that used to be here was in the Army, and um, he was in the first Iraq War. And at one point, they didn't sleep for three days. And then they, they had a little, little, little law, and, and he said, you know, they, they, as soon as they hit the ground, he said, we were out just like that. Yeah, but we hadn't slept for three days. I mean, it was just go, go, go. And, and, and you know, that's, that's warfare. That's being in the midst of warfare. And that's why he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There are afflictions in life. There are, you know, it, Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica in chapter 1, verse 6, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, he says, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. And if you remember, when he went to Thessalonica, he and Barnabas, there was a riot, and they fled and went to Berea, and they were so, so antagonistic at Thessalonica, they went all the way to Berea. They chased them clear to Berea to try and cause problems at Berea. So, so the, the, this was the, these these people had received the gospel in the midst of much affliction, but they persevered. They persevered. They were diligent, and we must be diligent. In fact, in chapter one, verses five through eleven, he tells us some things we need to do. Besides this, give all diligence. So effort. Add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge. So you add. He's telling you to add. You and I to add. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience. Patience, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So if we don't if we don't persevere, if we don't are not diligent in putting forth some effort to maintain and progress in our fellowship with the Lord, we're going to fall away. We will not fulfill our purpose here. Uh, so we'll make our calling and election sure, and we again to do that we have to be mindful of the Word, remember His promises. And go forward in our walk with the Lord and our service with Him. Ephesians 4.1 says to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Um, and so, so we have to, to continually put forth effort. Effort. Uh, be diligent in our efforts. Then, then the fourth thing we see here is Beware of spiritual erosion. If you drop down to verse 17 and 18. Verse 16. Verse 6. Let's start at verse 15. In account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, 
even as our beloved father Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So we have to be beware of spiritual erosion. He talks about some things that Paul wrote, and he said in his epistles, and he said there's some things which are hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Uh, you know, one of the things that he tells us, in fact, if you go back to verse uh, um, 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. Verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, these things are written in the scriptures, and, and sometimes people that are are un- unlearned and unstable, in other words, they, they're not serious about their study, or they're not careful with their exegesis, and, and, and they, they just jump to conclusions or spiritualize things, and we can come up with some wrong interpretations of Scripture and twist them. Or if you have a determined idea of what you believe the Bible should say and make it fit, what you want it to say. You know, sad to say, I'm not against reading commentaries. I use them. But commentaries should never replace the scriptures. And theologians love their commentators and they love their uh, church fathers who were some of the greatest heretics that, you know, uh, and, and and so they they you know. By the way, where John Calvin get his Calvinism? He got it from Augustine. I mean, he 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 clearly admitted that. Uh, he didn't get it from the Bible. He got it from Augustine. Uh, what did he do? He twisted the things that Paul wrote. He twisted things that Peter wrote. Uh, Peter says in uh, in in fact in. Uh, I think it's chapter second, yeah. First Peter chapter one and verse two, which says, "Elect according to the foreknowledge of God." That 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 kind of if you understand the foreknowledge of God, it'll take care of election for you. But anyway, uh, so so we have to be beware that we don't come to wrong conclusions, that we don't force an interpretation upon the text of Scripture that we want, and not what it says. As Bob Mitchell said when he was here, you know, one of the most dangerous questions is that people ask is, what does that mean to you? It doesn't matter what it means to you. What does it say? You have a friend who has a relative that told them that you are the context. In other words, you determine what the scripture says according to your life. 
you're the context. No. The Bible is the context. And we have to interpret Scripture according to the Scriptures, not according to what I want. And really, this is what Peter's saying here. This is the danger. He said they're unstable. So, so they're relying on... And this is one of the things Peter warns about in this passage, you know, in chapter 1, where he says in verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And he's talking about this great experience he had in the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, what a great experience, but it's an experience. And you can't interpret the scriptures according to your experience. The scriptures are to interpret your experience, not vice versa. And so this is what he's warning here about is forcing upon the scriptures something that we want it to say. So we have to beware of that. You know, after all, we have an enemy who's out to deceive us. The old devil is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. And, and he's, he's, uh, uh, we need to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walked about seeking whom we may devour. And where do we, whom it says, resist steadfast in the faith, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren and in the world. So, so we have to beware. Um, you know, we're, again, we're to, to interpret Scripture according to Scripture. Uh, Matthew, I have a passage wrote down here. I can't remember what it, what it says. Matthew um, 24 and verse 12 says, Because iniquity shall bound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, I don't believe that's teaching a, you can lose it, salvation. I believe it's just teaching that God's people, true believers, will endure the hardships of life. They will endure the hardships of life. And so, you know, we need to beware. And Paul warned, even the church at Ephesus, and that was a very strong church in the New Testament. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul warns the Ephesian elder, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which hath purchased its own blood. For the, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. You know, some speak perverse things, twisted things, to draw away disciples after them. You know, we have joked already, and we probably shouldn't joke in deacon's meetings about, you know, if we did this or we did that, or we, could, we could get a lot more people. Well, that's what a lot of them do. That's how the TV evangelists get big crowds. They speak perverse things. Um, so, but he says they're, they're among you. So, we have to make God's word a priority. And beware, beware of spiritual rosin. You know, it comes a little at a time.
just a little at a time. Solomon says the little foxes destroy the vine. You know, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. We need to get quiet. We need to relax, get alone and quiet, and, and, and meditate upon the Word of God. Uh, you know, turn off the entertainment, social media, whatever, and, and spend time with the Word of God. Uh, it's not enough just to have a knowledge. We need to have meditation into the truth of thy Word of God. Let it speak to our own hearts. So we need to be aware of spiritual erosion. Then I want to notice one final thing. He says to be growing. Verse 18. Verse 18. He says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Be growing. And the reality is, if we're going to grow, we have to persevere. We have to be diligent. Where do we need to be diligent? In the Word. It takes us back to being mindful or remember the Word of God. First uh, Peter 2 2 says, The newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow, they may grow thereby. If we want to grow, we have to be in the Word. Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So grow. And of course, you know, that faith it says hearing, we need to be in the Lord's house. Ephesians four is given uh, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. So again, the growing of the body, you know, as individuals and corporately. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so we need to be growing. Again, requires diligence. Diligence. We have to put forth effort. And so we need to remember these things. Don't be ignorant. God's promises are sure. Those yet that he has promised that yet to come, they will come in his time. Remember, God's timetable is not ours. The day of the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. But he will keep his promises. And we will be, and we need to remember the word of the Lord and be aware of the spiritual erosion. You know, it can happen so easily in our busy world. It's easy to get sidetracked. So might we rest and trust and remember the words of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for how it challenges us. We thank you for promises that are contained therein, many of them yet future, concerning our future, our blessed future, and the fulfillment of your promise of a glorified body and the reward and so lord just help us to rest in those promises help us to be faithful until you come for us and uh, help us to put forth the effort to be diligent in our time with you study with your word meditating upon your promises and uh, that we might be uh, strong and um, faithful 
until you come. So, Lord, have your will and your way, and may you be glorified. And uh, we just thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.